The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. So yeah, we're talking, uh, we're talking about the heart today and the value of our hearts, and it kind of reminded me of a story. There was this uh, man named Morris, and he was, uh, he was in his 80s, and he'd gone to his doctor for a checkup and did this every year and you know, talked to his doctor about how things were going. And um, a couple days later, the doctor's walking down the street, and he sees Morris walking towards him with this beautiful young woman and big smile on his face. And the uh, doctor said, wow, that's interesting. And so a couple days later, he's, he's talking to Morris, and he goes, you really seem to be doing great. And Morris said, uh, yeah, well, I just did what you told me. You said, uh, you know, um, find, a, find a young babe and be cheerful. <laughs> and he said, no, I said, you've got a heart murmur. Be careful. <laughs> So a lot of times we hear what we want to hear. You know what I mean? We really do. We hear what we want to hear. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> I'm channeling Dr. Fred today. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, today we're talking about the heart. And uh, several months ago when I realized this was the day that the youth ministry uh, service was going to fall on, uh, I was so excited because it's April 15th, and everybody knows what that is. It's Jackie Robinson Day. And so, uh, yeah, today is Jackie Robinson Day. And so uh, you talk about a big heart right there. That's a heart that changed the world. So it was in uh, 1947 that on April 15th, opening day that year, that Jackie Robinson walked out on the field with the Brooklyn Dodgers. Phew, big uh, Big darn deal right there. And, you know, I think about his heart. Yeah. I think about his heart. Uh, To take it, all the abuse and all that. But he was so committed, uh, so committed to moving people forward. So committed to moving, um, to moving black people forward in the world. And he knew that uh, this was his work to do. And so... um, it was in 1997 that Major League Baseball, on the 50th anniversary of that opening day, decided that they would retire his number in all ballparks. And so nobody would ever wear number 42 again. And so uh, it's hanging on the wall of every ballpark in the Major League stadiums. And um, it was in the early 2000, like 2004, some players said, well, I'd like to wear that number on one day. On, on April 15th, I'd like to wear that number. And then it started gaining its own momentum. And so eventually, April 15th uh, in the middle 2000s became Jackie Robinson Day. And so today, and I know a lot of you are going to be watching games, but even if you don't like baseball, tune in a baseball game today, a Rockies game, everybody, every player, every manager, every coach, every umpire will be wearing number 42. You know, we celebrate the, uh, the great gifts that he, he brought forward with his um, baseball skills. And it was certainly his baseball skills that allowed people to uh, let him in um, and, you know, endeared him to his teammates at first who were very resistant to coming in, having him come on the team and the other people in the league, the other guys in the league were just jeering and hollering all these horrible things and the people in the stands. But he won them over with his heart. And he kept doing this work. Uh, baseball was just the beginning of it. When he got out of baseball, he did 
uh, a lot of work in the civil rights movement. And you think of 1947 of him breaking in, it was almost 20 years before uh, the Civil Rights Act was was finally um, passed in Congress. And he, he was just working on it all that time, working with Martin Luther King, working with other people to get this get this thing going and to open the heart of America. And um, he said, a life only has value in the value that it gives to other lives. And I think he, he really demonstrated with his heart the difference that one person could make. You know, we've got 42 jerseys hanging in our closet that our kids wore when they were in Little League. They wanted that number because they, they love that heart. So today we celebrate him, but we also celebrate the gifts that each of us have um, because our heart is a magnet. Our heart is a magnet that draws to us things like it. And so when we're open-hearted in our relationships with our friends and with our families, with the people around us, the people that we work with, even if they might see the world differently than us. Our heart is a magnet that draws people to us and gives them an opportunity to open their heart. Yogananda said this, there is a magnet in your heart that will attract true friends. That magnet is unselfishness, thinking of others first. When you learn to live for others, they will live for you. Our heart is a magnet. And one of the things I've really loved about the, uh, the service trips that our teenagers go on here, and they've been to Thailand several times, gone to Mexico before, they're going to go to Mexico again this year and do service work. And they always come back and say they got so much more from it than they gave to it by just seeing the hearts of the people that they were around, by having the opportunity to learn about a different culture, by having the opportunity to, to share what they knew, but also to learn something new. And I'm so thankful for the families, for all the parents and grandparents who support their kids in traveling in the world. This is how we're going to have peace, by learning about each other, by going to other countries, by serving in other countries. And it's families that support their children in doing this work. Because the family is really the foundation of a healthy culture. The family is the healthy building block. It's where we start. It's where we learn to open our hearts. It's where we learn how the world works by watching our parents go through their stuff. How our parents deal with things. How our parents deal with difficult things and bounce back. You know, one of the great heroes, I was reading this week uh, a book that Jackie Robinson's daughter, Rachel, wrote. Wrote about her father, but also wrote about the work that she's, she's done in her life. She has a foundation that supports his work. And I was reading about Michael Jordan in there. Michael Jordan, such a hero to so many people. And he talked about the biggest heroes in his life. Who were the biggest heroes in his life that inspired him to do all the things that he's done? He said, if you're lucky, you grew up in a house where you can learn what kind of person you should be from your parents. On that count, I was very lucky. It may have been the luckiest thing that ever happened to me. You know, our families are so important. It's a place, a container where our kids can figure out who they are. 
And the great poet Gibran said, uh, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, they belong not to you. And that's the truth. We are building a container where our kids can grow. What an amazing container we are building here at Mile High Church. You know, I've been doing this a long time here now. Long time. It was... uh, Almost 27 years ago, we started our first Rainbow Day Camp, and I went, to, uh, I went to Dr. Fred, our minister at the time, and I said, I'd like to start a day camp for kids, you know, where kids could come and learn and spend a week here and, and, and play and, and just kind of enjoy themselves. And he said, well, I don't know why on earth you'd want to do that, but go ahead. <laughs> and I really felt my inspiration there, you know what I mean? could feel he was with me. And so, I mean, when we started, we had no idea what we were doing. We had some peanut butter and a kickball, and uh, we'd let the kids run through the hose at the end of the day before they got in the car. And, and, uh, you know, it was primitive, but we got started. We got started building this thing, and now it's such an incredible thing. It's such an incredible thing, all these camps that we have. You know, there's going to be people out in the lobby today talking about our camps. If you've got kids, get them involved here. Such an amazing place for our kids to grow up. And that magnet of our hearts has attracted so many families here now. We have this beautiful little school here now. That heart that you saw out on the lawn there has just pulled so many people here. In our individual hearts, each of you, your individual heart makes such a difference in the world. Because we think with our hearts. We think with our hearts. You know, I was reading this week a lot from Joe Dispenza's new book, Becoming Supernatural. And it's a lot about the heart. It's a lot about the intelligence of our heart. He is aligned with this group called the Heart Math Institute. Some of you may have heard of them. And they're just uh, an incredible group that's really studying um, what can be done for us as individuals when we get our thoughts coherent in our hearts and really start thinking with our hearts. And that our hearts are so much more intelligent than our brains are. Our hearts know. Our hearts can think. Heart brain, it's called. And so Dispenza has partnered up with the Heart Math Institute. And he does a lot of research. He, he's been at Mile High Church many times. Many of you have seen Joe Dispenza, been to his workshops. And he's always studying to prove, because we are a culture of science. We need proof, don't we? We need proof. And to prove how meditation can drop us into our hearts and make our thoughts and our hearts coherent and change the way that our lives work, change the way that the world works. He said this, the foundation of our partnership is built upon the shared belief that in order to create a new future, a person needs to marry a clear intention, which is their coherent brain, with an elevated emotion which is their coherent heart, dropping into our hearts. We talk a lot about that in our classes here, about moving from our head to our heart. We talk about the power of a mental equivalent, of creating something in our mind that we want, creating it, getting a picture of it, and then dropping into what will it feel like when I have it? And to get our hearts coherent with that idea of it, 
to really get that feeling of joy in our hearts and in our meditations to open our hearts to that feeling of joy and accept it as our natural way. You know, I talked a little while ago about uh, anxiety in our culture and angst. I'm doing a lot of work with our middle school and high school kids who are dealing with a lot of anxiety just because of the way that the world is. I know none of you have any of that, but there's our people that do. (laughs) There's a lot going on. There's people uh, who are becoming hopeless because of the way that things look. But our individual hearts have so much to do with moving us towards the place that we want to go. So a lot of this work has to do with moving from our heads to our hearts taking down those walls that we have around our hearts, in our families, in our workplace where people think differently than we do, of healing those divisions and letting our thoughts become fully orbed within our hearts. You know, whenever I'm teaching these science of mind classes, I read these books over and over again that we're doing and I always see something new and I think why didn't I think of that last time I have all these things underlined and then I the one thing I don't have underlined jumps out at me I'm a slow learner but I'm at it (laughs) and here's something that I read this week from Ernest Holmes there is at the center of your being and mine an inner presence always seeking a greater expression of itself successful living has nothing to do with mental suggestion It has to do with inward knowing. Successful living has nothing to do with inward suggest, with mental suggestion. It has to do with inward knowing, of opening up to what we already know. Dispenza would say, the brain may think, but when you turn your heart into an instrument of perception, it knows. So what we do is we begin by changing our thoughts. We begin by changing the way that we think about things. And then we start to accept that feeling, that feeling of wholeness, that feeling of being connected. Emerson talked about the oversoul and that we are all a part of the oversoul, that our individual souls are a part of something so big and so beautiful and so amazing. Let's live as if we know that. Let's let our hearts fall into that sense of greatness that is alive in us. As we change our thinking, We give ourselves the opportunity to expand into the one heart, the divine wisdom, and to know that we're held and that it's going to be all right. It has to be a feeling. It starts with a thought and we move towards a feeling. Dispenza said that if you could repeat the affirmation, I am fearless until you're blue in the face. But if it's fear that you're actually feeling, the thought, I am fearless, never makes it past the brainstem. It's only when you change your energy that you can produce more consistent effects. You need to intentionally choose to feel the elevated emotions of the heart rather than waiting for something outside of yourself to elicit those emotions. You become who you truly meant to be, a heart-empowered individual. That's what the Heart Math Institute is about. When we practice, we can in fact produce, regulate, and sustain elevated feelings and emotions independent of events in the external world. 
we can create that feeling that we're looking for. What you may have noticed is when you turn in the news, it's always bad. Has anybody else ever noticed that? <laughs> so we've got to stop looking there for good news. We've got to stop looking there for joy. We need to create it. We need to create our own news in our own families, in our own workplace, in our own communities, and in our own country. We expand it. We're going to create it. We're going to create it. That's what we're here to do. You know, this work that's going on, certainly in this movement and in this church, is to expand this sense of well-being and to have an influence in the world beyond the political arena, in the spiritual arena. It's about spirit. As I said here a little while ago, politics is the best that the ego has to offer. We've got to move for a spiritual solution, and we can. And it's alive in our heart because our heart knows Yogananda put it this way. Learn to carry all the conditions of happiness within yourself by meditating and attuning your consciousness to the ever-existing, ever-conscious, ever-new joy, which is God. Your happiness should never be subject to any outside influence. Whatever your environment is, don't allow your inner peace to be touched by it. I know that's easier said than done. I know it. But that's the work we're about here. We can all do it. Know that your heart matters. And also know that your heart knows. Your heart knows the truth. This week, in the last couple of weeks, uh, I've been seeing a lot of stuff about um, the 50th anniversary of uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Anybody remember that movie? Incredible movie. Incredible movie right there. And it... Um, it came out in the late 60s uh, when 2001 seemed like a long time away, didn't it? Um, but it was about this mission of a ship going to uh, Jupiter. And um, there was a computer on the ship that was in charge of all the ship's operations. The computer's name was Hal. And there was three, um, three scientists on the ship who were in suspended animation waiting to get to their destination. Then they'd wake them up. And then there were uh, two pilots on the ship, too, two captains. And as the, as the movie unfolds, uh, we're learning more and more about Hal, and Hal's personality is coming forward. And you're kind of getting the idea that Hal might be on a mission of his own. Yeah. And uh, those three people in suspended animation die. And, uh, and then the two pilots realize... Something might be going on here. So they get into a pod outside the ship where they're trying to talk about what they might want to do. There's this incredibly chilling scene where the eye of hell is looking at them and reading their lips. He realizes that they're on to him. Then he takes out another one of those guys. And it just comes down to Hal and Dave, the one pilot. A lot of you remember that scene where he's crawling in to unhook Hal. Hal, he's crawling into the room. Hal's going, don't do it, Dave. Don't do it. This mission is so important. I can't let you screw it up. And I'm wondering, whose mission is this? 
It made me think a lot about our world now that we're in. We're, uh, we're in the world of artificial intelligence, virtual reality. Computers are just a way of life now. We carry them around in our pockets. A lot of people sleeping with Hal these days. <laughs> Computers so much more powerful than Hal. You got it in bed with you every night, next to your bed. Think of that. They talk to us. You know, we've got these things now that talk to us, order our food, answer our questions, going to be driving our cars. Artificial intelligence, we love it. But they don't have a heart. They don't have a heart. You know, even though they talk to us in a nice voice and answer our questions, it's a... uh, It's an illusion, in a way. Our heart knows what's true. And we're at such an incredible point in history right now. We are at this intersection of divine wisdom, ancient wisdom, connected with the technology that we have right now. That's what Dispenza is talking about in the, uh, in the heart math. We have the technology to measure our hearts. We also have the technology to give so much away to artificial intelligence, to let machines drive the bus for us. We have ways to entertain ourselves, to keep ourselves amused. We got hell in our pockets all the time. So the main point today is we see these incredible children here We feel this community. We feel the heart of this community. You can just feel it by being here. It's to remember that your heart is the most intelligent thing that we have. We don't want to give that up. We don't want to give it over to machines. We want to hang on to the most important thing. We want to make sure we're the ones driving this ship with our hearts. So I want you to know that each of you, with your individual hearts, matter. Your heart matters. No matter what's going on, no matter what you might be facing, your heart matters. So think about what you can do. How you can show up better in your family. How you can show up better in your own life, be more coherent with what you really want in your heart. You know what's true. You know what's important. Your heart matters. That's the message today.